You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, today we are going to dig a little bit deeper into some of the advanced statistics for the Green Bay Packers game. I've seen all that I need to see of this Chicago Bears game. What a waste of my time. If anything, it really just made me feel grateful for the team that we have because I was watching this Tennessee Titans team, and it's like, man, you guys are freaking awful. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, actually, that kind of makes sense. It's preseason. Half of these guys aren't going to make the teams. A lot of backups, including the quarterbacks. I guess that kind of checks out. I just didn't see a lot of that with the Packers. But I don't have a whole lot to say about the Bears game other than it's actually somewhat unfortunate for the Chicago Bears. I mean, the, the whole point of the preseason is to try to get a good gauge on your team. You know, get them some exposure, get them some experience, get them some snaps. And then further assess the guys that you have that are there that you need some more answers on. And then they throw a freaking check down, a little screen pass, and it goes 80 yards for a touchdown. Then they throw another screen, it goes 60 yards for a touchdown. Like, good Lord. Like, <laughs> I mean, most inept defensive play I think I've seen since the, uh, well, since the Vikings-Colts game, where the Vikings and Colts took times being the most inept defenses in NFL history. So yeah, not a lot actually happened in that Chicago Bears game. I think Justin Fields threw for a grand total of seven yards in terms of how far the ball actually traveled. I believe it was a total of seven. So I don't know what you do with that in terms of preparation. But anyways, so we went over the general statistics for Jordan Love, 10 attempts, seven completions, et cetera, et cetera. However, a little bit more in depth on that, 75.6 PFF grade, 74.3 passing grade, zero big time throws, Zero turnover-worthy plays. No touchdown passes don't automatically get countered as big-time throws. His average depth of target was 9 yards, 77.8 adjusted completion percentage, if I didn't say that already. Time to throw was 2.4 seconds, which is great. He had four first downs. The other thing that I found interesting about this was that actually, when I looked at him under pressure, he had zero plays under pressure, which isn't necessarily a good thing. He was blitzed four times out of 10. That's great news for our offensive line, because it means none of that actually put Jordan under pressure. He had all day to throw. The negative about that is that you know he's going to start seeing pressure as the season progresses, and everybody's at their best when they're not under pressure. For example, Sean Clifford had a slightly uh, lower PFF grade, 71.6 overall, and then a 67.8 passing grade. However, he actually had a higher grade with no pressure. In other words, if you would have, if he had not been under pressure all day, very likely he would have graded out higher than Jordan Love. 81.5 overall, 76.5 passing grade. So just something to think about. Very under control, no pressure, no big time throws, no bad throws. I mean, in terms of turnover worthy plays, dangerous throws or whatever. But um, it is what it is. He's also 0 for 1 on deep passes. Remember when I said he was like 2 for 15 or something ridiculous on passes beyond. 20 yards, well, we can add one more 0 for 1 to that list. So something that continues to need to be refined. However, he was 1 for 2 on intermediate passes between 10 and 20. 
and he was five for five on passes under 10 yards. Uh, also had was one for one on that technically pass to Jaden Reed. Clifford, um, as I said, 81 overall with no pressure, but a 48 PFF grade under pressure. He was six of eight, 69 yards and a pick. He was one for two on deep shots, though. Five for seven on passes over 10, less than 20 yards intermediate range. Uh, he had a total of two big time throws. Only one turnover-worthy play, which really is is a to his credit, because PFF is not going to grade him on two interceptions if he only had one turnover-worthy play, because it means one of them, according to them, was not his fault. So that is a 7.4% big-time throw percentage and a 3.6 turnover-worthy play percentage. Average depth of target was just 5.9. Adjusted completion percentage, 77%. Time to throw 2.51. Nine first downs. Looking at the wide receivers, the highest graded wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers was Dontavian Wicks. He had his three receptions on four targets for 68 yards. He had a 76.3 overall grade, 75.1 receiving grade. He led the team in yards after the catch, 44 yards after the catch. Yards after the catch per reception was 14.7, also the highest on the team. His yards per route run was 4.25. Remember, two is really high. He had 4.25 yards per route run. He was number one on the team in yards, but was third in actual routes run, uh, significantly so behind uh, Samore Turi, but also behind Malik Heath. He had the longest receiving play of the day for the Packers at 47 yards. And he, along with everybody else, which actually isn't, uh, at least I haven't heard anybody mention it, but there were no drops on the team, which has been a big issue for the team all through training camp. So real good to see that there were no drops. He personally converted two first downs, 77.1 passer rating when targeted, in part because one of his targets ended up getting intercepted. Second highest graded, very close behind him, was Romeo Dobbs. He only ran 10 routes, but had uh, two targets, two receptions, 21 yards, and of course his touchdown, 72.4 receiving grade. He had just three yards after the catch, 1.5 per reception, 2.10 yards per route run, which again is fantastic. One for one on contested catches, 150 passer rating when targeted. Third highest graded receiver was Samori Ture, 74.6 receiving grade. He did run the most routes of anybody on the team by, again, a pretty significant margin. I mean, Malik Heath was second with 19. He ran 25. So he ran at least 10 more than almost everybody on the team. Um, he was our second highest from the slot. Actually, Jaden Reed was number one. He ran 89% of his routes from the slot. Samori Ture, 76%. But he had 25 yards after the catch, 8.3 per reception, 2.24 yards per route run. Again, fantastic. Average depth of target was 12.5 yards. His longest reception was 28 yards. He was 0 for 1 on contested catches. He did have one missed tackle force, just one of two. The other one going to Tyler Goodson, the running back, who was on a reception, but still. 116.7 when targeted. And then the only other receiver with a 70 PFF grade was Christian Watson. He only had a 65.4 receiving grade, but made up for that in some other areas. But Watson ran just nine routes, caught his two receptions for six yards, so pretty uncharacteristic for him. Obviously, they took that deep shot. He, he did beat his man down the field, but uh, the defender was able to get there in time. That would have changed things pretty drastically. But uh, just one yard after the catch... 0.67 yards per route run, again, wildly uncharacteristic, but still the highest average depth of target on the team at 14.7. Longest reception was just 7 yards. 
for 1 on contested catches, 1 first down, 70.1 passer rating. Then getting down into the 60s, you had Malik Heath. Uh, Heath, I thought, had a pretty good day, but PFF had him down as average. He caught uh, 3 of 4 for 36 yards. That was on his 19 yards run, uh, 19 routes run. Had just 2 yards after the catch, 1.89 yards per route run, 13.8 average depth of target, 15 yards was his longest. He was 1 for 2 on contested catches, 102.1 passer rating when targeted. Jaden Reed nearly tied him. Almost identical PFF grades. He only ran eight routes on the day, which was quite surprising. But again, I think lends itself to the fact that he is absolutely a starter. Um, when you look at, you know, Jaden Reed ran eight, Christian Watson ran nine, Romeo Dobbs ran ten. I mean, th- those are your starters. Then you got Wicks with 16. You got Ture with 25. You got Heath with 19, et cetera, et cetera. So he actually ran the least amount of routes of any wide receiver on the team, Jaden Reed did. And I'm thinking the very high snap count for Samori Ture had quite a bit to do with that. But um, 12 yards after the catch, 6 per reception, 2.5 yards per route run, just 4 yards as his average depth of target, which really lends itself to his yards after the catch ability. When you're averaged, on average, you're targeted 4 yards down the field, and on average per reception, you're gaining 6 yards. That's that's exactly what you were brought here to do. Longest reception was 15 yards. He was one for one on contested catches, 108.3 passer rating when targeted. And then finally, Bo Melton had his 55.5 PFF grade, the only one that was graded as below average. Um, he ran 12 routes, was one target, one reception, three yards, 55.3 receiving grade. He did not get any yards after the catch on his one play, just 0.25 yards per route run. Um, average depth of the target was just three yards down the field. And again, Bell Melton's a speed guy, you know? So for him to catch one pass, targeted just three yards down the field, no yards after the catch, I mean, he, he wasn't really able, I mean, it's kind of like Christian Watson. He wasn't really seemingly able to operate within his, you know, kind of what he does best, I would say. So unfortunate for him in that regard. Some of the receiving stats for some of the other guys, Austin Allen was actually the highest graded, um, tight end, but he only played five snaps, four receiving snaps, and was 0 for 1 on his one target. He had a 54 receiving grade, but 73 overall. We'll get to that in a little bit. Luke Musgrave had a 59.8 overall grade, a 61 receiving grade. He ran 11 routes, was uh, 1 for 2. Obviously, the other one sailed on him for 8 yards. Musgrave was actually 64% in line, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, Just 28% in the slot, 7% out wide. But um, five yards after the catch, easy math with his one reception, what that per reception would be, 0.73 yards per route run, average depth of target, 8.5 yards down the field, eight yards was his longest reception, converted one first down, just had 60.4 passer rating. You have to assume if he had caught that pass, or if Jordan had thrown a better pass, then everything would have been quite a bit better, but it is what it is. Tyler Davis, 58 overall, 63.5 receiving grade. He actually ran the most routes of any uh, tight end, which is surprising with Luke Musgrave there. But again, I think it has to do with him being a starter, so they're just not going to give as many opportunities to him. But he was two targets, two receptions, nine yards, and a touchdown. He was actually 60% from the slot, so I don't know exactly what it is we're doing here. But just one yard after the catch, 0.64 yards per route run, four yards average depth of target, five yards was his longest reception. But with that touchdown, 125 passer rating when targeted. 
And Tucker Craft was the lowest graded of any of the receivers, wide receivers, halfbacks, or tight ends. He had a 44.8 PFF grade, 44.4 receiving grade. He ran 11 routes, uh, had three targets, just one reception for four yards. Four yards after the catch, 0.36 yards per route run, 4.3 average depth to target. Four yards was his longest reception. He was 0 for 1 on contested catches. As a team, we were 3 for 7. Um, and then he had a 2.8 passer rating when targeted because of that one interception that was in which he was a target. Looking at the running backs, obviously Emmanuel Wilson was um, the absolute I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the best overall this, this, uh, this week in the preseason. He had a 93.5 overall grade, 93.2 rushing grade. Again, 10 snaps, 6 attempts, 111 yards, 18.5 yards per attempt, and 2 touchdowns is what he had. 1.67 yards uh, after contact per attempt. He forced 1 missed tackle. 80 yards was his longest run. Had 3 carries over 10 yards. 1 carry over 15 yards. And was overall just pretty dominant. Um, After that, you got Patrick Taylor. His um, 7 snaps, he had 6 attempts, 19 yards. 3.2 yards per attempt, 66.6 rushing grade, 2 yards after contact per attempt, second highest behind A.J. Dillon, 13 yards was his longest run, 1 over 10 yards. Then you had Tyler Goodson, unfortunately. um, Again, he ended up getting injured, so he only had his 3 attempts for 2 yards, 0.7 yards per attempt, but he did have a touchdown, 59.7 rushing grade, 1.33 yards after contact. A.J. Dillon had... um, a 60.7 overall grade, but a 62.8 rushing grade. It's a little surprise. I mean, it's only two carries, so it's kind of hard, I think, to accumulate positive grades. But I was a little surprised, especially considering how... Um, impre- I mean, I think both runs were relatively impressive. I mean, the, the yards above expected on that first play when he barreled forward through a bunch of players, and then he had his 11-yard run after that. I'm a little surprised that it isn't a little bit higher, but 2.5 yards after contact per attempt as I said, was the highest on the team. Then you had Nate McCrary, four, uh, four snaps, four attempts, 13 yards, 3.3. He had a 57.7 rushing grade, a 56.4 overall grade, lowest uh, for both, not including Alex Magoo. 1.75 yards after contact per attempt, one missed tackle forced. Then we get to blocking. Why don't we start with tight ends since we kind of had some unfinished business with them. We'll look at run blocking first. Um, Austin Allen was the highest graded, 76.6 run blocking grade on 15 run blocking attempts, which is rather high. After that, you got to scroll way down to the bottom, all the way down to the to 26th out of 35 total players that were graded. Tucker Craft was the next highest with a 56.4 run blocking grade. Uh, Luke Musgrave was one spot behind him, 55.9. Then Henry Pearson, the fullback slash tight end, 49.8 run blocking grade on his 11 attempts. Tyler Davis had a 44.4. He was the lowest graded run blocker among the tight ends. Then you switch over to pass blocking. Luke Musgrave, surprisingly, just two snaps, but surprisingly was the highest graded pass blocking tight end with a 72.9 pass blocking grade. Then right right in a row is the next four. Tucker Craft, uh, his two attempts, 70.7. Tyler Davis, 69.6, just one attempt. Henry Pearson, 68.8. Austin Allen, 65.9. But all right, let's um, let's do this. Let's look position by position because this gets kind of confusing because there's just like I said, there's so many guys. There's 36, I think, different 
people here, halfbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, etc. So left tackle, the guy who had the most snaps at left tackle was Rashid Walker. He had a 66.7 overall grade. Run blocking is really where he struggled the most. It was a 55.2 grade, but actually did a pretty solid job with his 54 total snaps. I mean, he played left and right tackle. I can't exactly tell you, you know, where he did the most or least or whatever. I mean, in terms of his grades. But a 78.9 pass blocking grade. He didn't allow any sacks, one hit, and no hurries. Just one pressure overall. After that, Kadeem Telfert was number two with left tackle. He only played left tackle. He had a 49.9 grade, 56.6 run blocking, and a 20.3 pass blocking grade. He gave up one sack, which was his only um, hurry or pressure on the day. And then Yash Nyman played the least amount of snaps, 12 snaps at left tackle. Left tackle was the only place that he played. 72.4 overall, 66.6 run blocking grade, and an 82.7 pass blocking grade. Um, I had thought that he had given up some kind of a pressure or something early on but maybe i was daydreaming that or something i don't know but no pressures anywhere for yash nyman really good outing for him at left guard we have what was our worst offensive lineman of the day who had the most snaps at left guard and that's royce newman he only played left guard 35.4 overall grade 40.1 run blocking grade and a 56.9 pass blocking grade he allowed two pressures including a hit and a hurry after that you had elton jenkins he was our highest graded offensive lineman, 85.6, maybe our one of our highest graded, uh, probably he's top five, I would, I would say, um, including defense overall grades on the day, but 85.6 overall, 78.1 run blocking grade, 81.8 pass blocking grade. I think he was the highest graded run blocker and the second highest graded pass blocker on the team. Uh, after that is Gene DeLance, took only six snaps. He had a 71.1 grade, 66 run blocking, 74 pass blocking. So you'll take that, obviously. And then James Empey just played one snap there. He played more at center, so we'll, we'll move on to the next spot. Hey, look, it's James Empey was our number one center on the day. The centers, believe it or not, actually all graded out quite well as pass blockers. Um, James Empey had a 62.5 grade, 60 run blocking, 78.4 pass blocking, no pressures given up. After that was Zach Tom. Um, Zach split time, mostly center, but also right tackle. But he was our second highest graded overall lineman with a 78.5 overall grade, 76.8 run blocking, and was the highest graded pass blocker on the entire team with an 84.5. Again, I can't, I don't know how the grades break down between center and tackle, but um, I don't. I, I think the bottom line is he was good in both spots. After that, we have the only offensive lineman that didn't grade out super great as a pass blocker at center, and that would be John Runyon, which is shocking, but, you know, maybe it's because guard is his place. He did play guard, too, but he actually played more center than guard, which is weird. But 64.6 run blocking, 64.7 pass blocking. Josh Myers was a, had a very Josh Myers performance. He had the one miscue with the snap, a 61 run blocking grade, and a 79 pass blocking grade. That is Josh Myers to a T. And then finally, Cole Schneider, 68 run blocking and a 72 pass blocking grade. So again, kind of across the board, everybody did a great job as pass blockers. At right guard, Sean Ryan, um, I mean, considering how bad things were, I'll take it as a win. His run blocking grade was a 74. His pass blocking grade was a 55. That's not good. In fact, he gave up, I think, more hurries than anybody else. In fact, it was kind of by a wide margin. He gave up four pressures. The team as a whole gave up 10. He had almost half of those, but he gave up three hurries and a hit um, on the day. 
The only other guards were Runyon and Empey. We've already talked about that. And then at um, right tackle, we already talked about Rashid. Caleb Jones played exclusively right tackle. He was phenomenal as a pass blocker, but really struggled as a run blocker. 58 overall grade, 43 run blocking grade, but an 80.4 pass blocking grade. Didn't give up any pressures. And then uh, Luke Tenuta would be the final one. The guy does not fit with the Green Bay Packers, I can tell you that, because he had a 76.5 overall grade, 81.4 run blocking grade, and a 56 pass blocking grade. I don't know what he's trying to do, but uh, trying to show off as a run blocker is not how you get it done around these parts, pal. But anyways, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back, take a look at what the defense was up to, take a look at what the special teams is up to, and we'll call her a day. Please remember to check out grassfedcooperative.com. Use promo code PACKER10, capital P, PACKER10. You get 10% off your order of a big old box of ground beef shipped delivered directly to your door. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the podcast for just one singular dollar per month. You can do more than that if you want to, but you don't have to. It's not a requirement at all. You can just, I mean, do whatever. You might even be able to do 50 cents. I have no idea. I don't know how that works. Nobody knows, man. There's also Venmo at Packernet Podcast. Thank you very much to Lucas Guru for your donation on Venmo. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. 
Alrighty, on to the defense. I just want to bring up one thing real quick. Just because, and nobody's argued with me yet, but I made some comments yesterday about, you know, some guys that kind of broke out, had some big days, and I don't know that it necessarily moves the needle. Do you remember Micah Abernathy and Devontae Cross? You should, especially Abernathy. You remember how much we loved that guy? How badly we wanted him on the team? He was the second highest graded defender behind Devontae Cross, both of them safeties last year. Neither of them were on the 53-man roster. At least, I don't know, who knows initially and then they got caught. I have no idea, but they weren't on the team last year. They're not on the team this year. You know who the third highest graded player was on defense? Chris Barnes. He's not on the team. You know who the fourth highest graded player was? Ellis Brooks. He didn't make it. So just keep that in mind. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, well, if you're good, then you don't make the team or something stupid like that. It's just let's not overreact because you can be great and still not end up making the team. All right, let's look. Um, how should we do this? We have 37 players. Let's look at overall grades for now. We're not going to go through every single one of them. We'll kind of do like we do for the regular season. We'll look at the good, we'll look at the bad, and we'll kind of omit the the average, mostly because we'll touch on them at some point or another, run defense, tackling, pass rush coverage, or some other kind of stat. So there were three guys that were very close in terms of their grades. All three of them I'm going to call elite, even though two of them were technically below, below like an exact 90. But the highest graded was actually William Hooper, who had a 90.3 um, overall defensive grade. We'll get into the more, you know, the other grades in a minute. But 90.3 overall, played 25 total snaps at cornerback, 20 of them in coverage. Then was Carrington Valentine. Shocked that William, I mean, shocked but not shocked at the same time, because William Hooper obviously had a fantastic day as well. But shocked that he was higher than Carrington Valentine, but only just barely. 89.8 overall grade for Carrington Valentine who, I mean, the difference in coverage grade was 90.3 compared to 89, and Valentine had a higher run defense and tackling grade. But Valentine played 29 snaps, really good grades just down the line across the board. 89.8 overall, 71.3 run defense, 77.9 tackling, 89 in coverage. I mean, very similar to Emmanuel Wilson where you just look at it and say, I don't think you could have done anything any better. Like, I don't think it could have gone any better for you. And number three was TJ Slayton. He only played eight snaps, but it was about a perfect eight snaps. 89.5 overall grade, 69.3 run defense, 69 tackling, 82.5 pass rush. He had two pressures on just four pass rush attempts. <laughs> then you got Tarverius Moore, who actually had a really good day, overshadowed by apparently all the other players. that Our DBs really stood out. Eight of the top 11 players are DBs. And yes, Darnell Savage is one of them. 8 of the top 11, 10 of the top 16, oh wait, I'm sorry, um, 11 of the top 16 are DBs. The DBs just absolutely tore this up. But Tarverius Moore is, is he, he's at 81.7. He's the only guy like solidly in the 80s, but 81.7 overall, 84.3 tackling grade and a 74.8 coverage grade. Again, we'll get into the stats in just a minute. Very surprised to see now getting into the 70s, the fifth highest graded defender was Anthony Johnson Jr., I actually didn't think he had as good of a day as he had. I know toward the end he had a, a good play or two, but he had an 80.4 tackling grade, which is great to see. I actually loved him in college. I wasn't a big fan of a lot of the safeties coming out, but after we drafted him and I went back and watched him, I was certainly impressed. And um, yeah, 80.4 tackling grade, 72.4 coverage grade. At number six with a 76 is Carl Brooks. Then Keyshawn Nixon had a 75.7. 
Tariq Carpenter, which I was stunned by. I actually thought he probably had kind of a bad day, but uh, apparently not. He had a 75.4 grade. Kingsley and Igbari with a 75.2. Dallin Levitt, 74. Darnell Savage with a 73.3. Isaiah McDuffie with a 71.9. Savage only played three snaps, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, McDuffie, 72. Keyshawn Banks with a 69.9. We'll include that. Shamar Jean Charles also with a 69.9. So if we include those, there are uh, 14 players that had good grades, which is, I mean, there's 37 guys, but that's that's a big number of players that had good days. Obviously, a ton were in the 60s, but getting now below the 60s in the below average category, all the way down to 27th, Keandre Thomas, 57, Colby Wooden, 57, Chris Slayton, 57, Preston Smith with a 56, Moultrie with a 54, Jimmy Phillips with a 52, Kenneth Odomegwu with a 51, then a massive drop, Lucas Van Ness with a 40.8, 41, um, honestly not super surprising. He looked really clunky out there, which I think really kind of starts to show. Um, I, I, I think what I saw from him is what I was kind of expecting all along, and I maybe was disillusioned by those couple plays that I saw, but um, he looked very uncomfortable. It didn't really look very smooth. It looked kind of clunky. He looked kind of lost. I think they were, again, I think they were using him in different ways, trying to ask him to do different things, and he was kind of struggling with it. I think Lucas Van Ness, you know, you put him off the edge and just have him attack the guy's chest, and he'll push him straight back into the quarterback. But he didn't really do any of that, and, and it definitely showed. He had 20 snaps, 40.8 PFF grade. So he needs a big bounce back from that because that's not going to cut it. Fortunately, we, have do, we, we do have a lot of guys that are pretty solid, but um, still, that's not going to cut it. Then uh, Jonathan Owens was 35th with a 35 PFF grade. I'm really actually starting to enjoy, um, what's her name, the gymnast, and all the stuff that we're getting, all the social media. My wife actually is super jacked about it. She's like, oh man, I can't believe it. So I'm, every time there's social media, I send her the clip. So it's cool that she's out there saying, like, go pack, go, and everything else. So um, hoping Jonathan Owens hangs in there, because that's kind of garbage. Jason Lawan had a 34.8, and then the only person down in the 20s was Devontae Wyatt. He only played nine snaps, but man, 29.1 PFF grade is absolutely brutal. We're really hoping for this big surge in Devontae Wyatt, and it's been sounding positive, but he had a terrible outing. I did see the two missed tackles, and that was his worst uh, grade, 21.3 tackling grade. However, he had a 43 run defense grade. Um, that was only on his three snaps, but still. And then a 39.6 pass rush grade. Now, he had one pressure on six attempts, but I think that's kind of Devontae Wyatt, and that's kind of the problem. He might end up with a high pressure to uh, to snap ratio, but it's those other five snaps that probably can tend to be a little bit more on the brutal side. Then we move over to run defense. There were just four that were 70s or higher. Shamar Jean Charles was number one, which honestly is not... I mean, he looks so small when he plays, but he was freaking Mighty Mouse out there, man. He was Ant-Man. Uh, Eric Wilson, the linebacker, was number two. Kingsley Enigbare was number three. And then Carrington Valentine would be the fourth. TJ Slayton and Keyshawn Banks were very close there in the 69s. Um, guys that graded out poorly, I'm not going to go through it. There's a bunch of 59s. But Jonathan Ford, Jonathan Owens, Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden, Jason Lawan, and Devontae Wyatt were low 50s and 40s in run defense. Tackling um, from, you know, 
best to worst all the way down into the 70s. You got Tarverius Moore, Anthony Johnson, Carrington Valentine, Jimmy Phillips, Tyrell Ford, Rudy Ford, Tariq Carpenter, Keyshawn Nixon, Keyshawn Banks, Keandre Thomas, Isaiah McDuffie, Kingsley and Igbare, all 70s or higher. You also had Slayton Wooden, who are also pretty high in that those categories. There was a giant drop-off. You got a 66 from Moultrie. Then it drops to a 52, Shamar Jean Charles. Um, and then Dallin Levitt, 49. Carrington Ballantyne, 49. Then it plummets. 28 for Eric Wilson. 27 for Jonathan Owens. 27 for William Hooper, who was one of the highest graded. Imagine if he didn't miss his one tackle or whatever it was. How many did he miss, by the way? Was it just one? yes just one missed tackle Brenton Cox 24.8 Devontae Wyatt 21.8 pass rush grades we had um, TJ Slayton was the highest Keyshawn Nixon was the next highest he uh, only rushed the passer once and got there for a sack Jonathan Ford had a 77.2 pass rush grade he had two pressures and 17 attempts and then Tariq Carpenter um, rushed the passer twice and got there for a hit on one of them Carl Brooks also with a 69.6. Uh, really low grades. Lucas Van Ness and Devontae Wyatt were the only two below a 50, which are the two that I had the highest hopes for in terms of pass rush. So that's really, really, really... I know it's preseason, I get it. It still sucks really bad. Finally, as far as the grades coverage, William Hooper, 90.3. Carrington Valentine, 89. Tavares Moore, Anthony Johnson, Dallin Levitt in the 70s. And then a bunch of 60s. And then sub-60, you got Tyrell Ford, 58. Keandre Thomas, 56. Eric Wilson, 53. Jonathan Owens, 47. And Jimmy Phillips at a 45. Um, getting into some of the stats. Pressures, we had a bunch. 3, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28 pressures that's not to say that's how many times the quarterback was pressured but how many times an individual got a pressure 28 times that's a ton of pressures kingsley and igbare and brenton cox led with three um after that you got colby wooden jimmy phillips carl brooks isaiah mcduffie jonathan ford tj slayton chris slayton and justin hollins each had two and then lucas van ness car uh Keyshawn banks Devontae wyatt Tariq carpenter Keyshawn nixon and aaron mosby each had one so that's 16 different players with at least a pressure. Some of these guys, I mean, you've got Keyshawn Nixon, again, was one for one. Tariq Carpenter just had two attempts. Wyatt just had six attempts. Justin Hollins only, he had two pressures on just five attempts. Slayton had two on just four. Isaiah McDuffie had two pressures on just two attempts. And then uh, Jimmy Phillips had two on five attempts. So some of these guys were just absolutely shredding stuff. As far as the sacks, it was only the Keyshawn Nixon sack. Hits, it was two for McDuffie, two for Hollins, one for Banks, one for Phillips, one for Brooks, one for Carpenter, one for Slayton. It's, usually I don't have to read this many. There's not this this many. The rest were all hurries. Um, batted passes, Brenton Cox had the one. Leading tackler, Carrington Valentine with four. Missed tackles, Devontae Wyatt with those two tackles. Everybody else was one, which includes Corey Valentine, Brenton Cox, William Hooper, Jonathan Owens, Dallin Levitch, Margin Charles, Eric Wilson. Got to clean that up, obviously. Um, stops, which is a tackle that was a negative play for the other team. 14 different players. Uh, three players had two of them. Keyshawn Banks had two. Jimmy Phillips had two. TJ Slayton had two. The others are Valentine, Hooper, Johnson, McDuffie, Ford, Nixon, Valentine, Moore, Levitt, Shamar, and Eric Wilson. All right. Whew. 
It's a lot of work. <laughs> Preseason, there's so many players. Let's look at um, coverage statistics. So the most targeted player, and this is probably why he graded so well, was William Hooper. He was targeted eight times, and only three of them were caught for 19 yards, the longest of which was eight yards, and he had two pass breakups, 45.8 passer rating when targeted. The second most targeted was Carrington Valentine. Six targets, only two receptions for 16 yards, the longest being 10 yards, and of the four that were not caught, there was an interception and two pass breakups, a 2.8 passer rating when targeted. That is so stupid. What is that? Um, after that, the uh, most targeted was Corey Ballantyne, who had a 64 coverage grade, not the best, but four targets, four receptions, 42 yards, 110 passer rating. After that, you had uh, Jimmy Phillips, three targets, two receptions, 25 yards, 92 passer rating. Tarverius Moore, three targets, two receptions, just nine yards, 70 passer rating. Keandre Thomas, the coverage grade wasn't great, so I'm guessing a lot of this had nothing to do with his coverage, but three targets, zero receptions. Shamar Jean Charles, three targets, one reception, seven yards, and a pass breakup. Benny Sapp, two targets, one reception, seven yards was his longest, including a pass breakup. Anthony Johnson, two targets, two receptions, 10 yards. Isaiah McDuffie, two targets, two receptions, 19 yards. Dallin Levitt, two targets, two receptions, nine yards, and a pick. Tyrell Ford, one target, one reception, 11 yards. Jonathan Owens, one target, one reception, 32 yards. Keyshawn Nixon, one target, one reception, four yards. Eric Wilson, one target, one reception, six yards. And Darnell Savage, one target, zero receptions. If we look at a couple more um, in-depth coverage statistics, they've also got forced incompletions as well as forced incompletion percentage. So how often when you were targeted did you force an incompletion? Benny Sapp was 50% forcing an incompletion on one of just his two targets. After that, Hooper was 38%, Valentine 33%, Shamar 33%. If you look at snaps per reception, Shamar Jean Charles was actually the highest at 21 snaps for every one reception given up. Nixon was the lowest, which, I mean, those are two guys fighting for the same job. Um, he gave up a reception once every four snaps. All right, finally, special teams. This is a big one. It's important to look at no matter what, but for those of us uh, working on our 53-man rosters here, this is pretty big. The first one that stands out to me, and I'll go through all of them, but the first one that stands out just as I look at this the second lowest graded is Tariq Carpenter. Been trying to think, is there any possible way for him to get on? And, and I think it's with him being an ace on special teams. I'm not saying that PFF's grades and the Green Bay Packers' grades line up, but I can't imagine they're exact opposites in this regard. But anyways, um, seven players had good or great grades. The highest was Tyler Davis, which actually I did not mention yet. But unfortunately, Tyler Davis did suffer an ACL tear. He's going to be done for the season. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers explore some other options just in terms of bodies. I mean, we still got some time left in training camp. I'm not saying it's somebody that's going to make the team, but just in terms of trying to find a body to come in and, and compete because, I mean, Tucker, again, he's he's not showing much right now. Musgrave obviously is established. Austin Allen is, that's pretty much it. Now, granted, you could look at the two fullbacks and call them tight ends and say, okay, we got Pearson and DeGuara there as well, but just saying it's, it's something to consider. So that's unfortunate. Our highest graded special teamer is uh, seemingly out for the year, I believe. Then you have Kingsley and Igbare. Eric Wilson, once again, absolute clutch special teamer. Then Dallin Levitt, it's great for him. Um, again, 
some questions arising probably shouldn't arise. I should just be comfortable in saying that he's not going anywhere, but great day as a safety, great day on special teams. Then Bo Melton, he needs that. Tucker Craft, fantastic. And Keandre Thomas were the other ones. As far as bad special teams grades, I mean, we'll start at 55, I guess. Patrick Taylor, 55. Dre Miller. The heck is Dre Miller? Andre Miller. All right. I was like, what the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Dre Miller, Jimmy Phillips, Isaiah McDuffie. That sucks for McDuffie. I mean, it doesn't suck, but he's a good special teamer. But you can't be doing that, man. You can't start slipping now. Shamar Jean Charles, Nate McCrary, Henry Pearson, Carrington Valentine, Tariq Carpenter, and Keyshawn Banks all were very low. In fact, the three that were very, very low, Valentine, Carpenter, and Banks. Anders Carlson, not surprisingly, with a 37.7 PFF grade. 3 for 5 on extra points is just absolutely unacceptable. Kickoff grades, uh, both of them were right at 60. I don't know that there's too much you can glean from that. Punting, they did give Pat O'Donnell a slightly higher grade. Punting is really tough. I mean, in terms of, you know, it just depends where you're punting from. It's all different in terms of what you're looking for for hang time and distance and all that. But um, yards per attempt for Pat O'Donnell was 60. For Daniel Whelan, it was 42.5. Net was 46 for O'Donnell, 39 for Whelan. Both had one inside the 20. Hang time for O'Donnell was 4.22. For Daniel Whelan was 4.06. Then on return, Samore Ture, despite the botched uh, return, actually still was the highest graded at 69.2. He averaged 27.5 per return. Jaden Reed, um, I mean, I think he just had a fair catch, right? We're talking kickoff return. Reed and Crest both had basically 60 grades with with fair catches. Tyler Goodson was at a 59.1. Three returns, 71 yards, 23.7 average. On uh, punt returns, Jaden Reed just barely ahead of Cody Crest. Not like that's necessarily going to matter. We know who our kick return or who our punt returner is. Well, I guess we I shouldn't say that. We don't know that who our partner returner is. But one return, six yards for Jaden Reed. One return, three yards for Cody Crest. Only other thing that's on here, I always forget to check it. They've got this little uh, signature stat thing or whatever. But stop percentage, the only one really worth mentioning, TJ Slayton, was at 50%. TJ Slayton had a heck of a day, man. But anyways, that's all I've got for now. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow, tonight, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.